0: About a week ago, I got messaged through Facebook by Deacon Rod Bales, and I didn't think much of it because he and I had had a phone conversation maybe two months before that, and the message said, how are you and your family? like, oh, that's really nice. So I wrote him back. I said, we're doing well. How are you doing? Um, He wrote back, oh, I'm fine have you heard about the Block Community Grant? And I thought, he's probably talking about what's going on in downtown Rock Island, and I'm like, "Uh, yeah, yeah. And he said, have you applied for money for it? I thought, no, I didn't know that you could do that. I know businesses could apply. And he said, you should apply. He said, I applied, and I got $100,000. I thought what? You got $100,000? And then a moment later, he said, here's the link. And he sent me a link. He said, just click on this. It had a picture of Larry King. Um, Just click on this and fill it out, and you can get the money. I'm going, that sounds way too good to be true. Um, So, knowing his physical condition and knowing where he past worked, I wrote hey, do you still work for Jim? Just some random name. And do you know how when someone's texting you and then they stop and start and stop and stop, you get little dots? That's what start going across. There's some dot, 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 and it stopped. Dot, 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 and it stopped. Dot, 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 and it stopped. And then finally, no, did you fill out the link? <laughs> no, and I'm not going to. Um, you're scamming a priest, man. <laughs> So I turned them into Facebook and blocked all of that. And, but it's too good to be true, right? And have you had that before? Like, there are things, it, it's too good to be true because we live in a fallen, sinful world. The reason it's too good to be true is because all of us have experienced some of the most negative, difficult, challenging things in this world because we've all had something we thought was going to happen, and then it didn't because it was too good to be true. That teed me off, and it let me know, you know what? We have to accept the world as it really is, not as we might want it to be. And for the next five weeks, we're going to look at Ecclesiastes. And I mean, just, it. it. here's verse two. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. Hey, this is not starting off as an encouraging, upbeat, we should all be smiling and partying kind of book. This is an honest look at the world. Now, it's also an honest look at... How does God and our relationship impact how we interact with that world? But in order to hear that, you're going to have to be here a few weeks um, because we're just going to go down a dark rabbit hole for a while because that's what Ecclesiastes does. So I encourage you, open up your Bibles, if you can grab one there, to page 950. Go ahead and go one more screen. There we go. Page 950. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. So as we get going, I'm going to hit just a little bit of background through this and diving into the main text. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. That word teacher, um, oh no, no, go back, just stay on the black. There's nothing that is, yeah. Um, The word teacher is an important term to give you an overview of the book itself. It's a title in Hebrew, Kohelet, And it is the word that we get Ecclesiastes from, which is the Greek translation. The word means an assembler, and it refers to either assembling people, like students especially, or collecting and assembling wisdom. And that's what this book is. This book is about somebody who looked at life, assembled what they discovered and learned, and is now presenting it with the idea that we as students would take the wisdom, That's kohelet. Meaningless, meaningless, says kohelet. Utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. This word is really important for understanding the book. And the word, it gets translated a couple of different ways, and the reason being is it has a wide range of meaning, much like certain English words can mean multiple different things, so can this word. Here's the problem with meaningless. Part of it is true. Part of it is not. Meaningless can mean something that just makes no sense whatsoever. That's not what this word means. In terms of significance, yes, you could say it's all meaningless. It has no significance. But it's not like somebody babbling and you're going, that's meaningless. That's not what the word means. Here's the word in Hebrew, hevel. Hevel. And Hevel has two primary meanings through this book that kind of overlap, right? The first is the word fleeting, right? Think of that term fleeting, something that you might be able to see or even think about. You might imagine the image of like smoke, and yet it whew, is gone. It doesn't last. It's transitory, right? Now, coupled with that is another meaning, futile, futile. Right? Something that won't accomplish anything, like you can't make anything significant out of it. Right? Now, to put the two words together, I think it's very important that you think about bubbles. Right? Um, if you ever did bubbles with your kids, right, you did this. And then what do the kids do? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm... You can't get them, right? No matter, you can see them, but the moment you go for them, they are both fleeting and your action is futile. They're gone, you can't get them. And I mean, even those few big ones that somehow you like managed to catch and you stare at it for a while, it still pops. It's still gone. That's his idea in this. And what he's given us at the very beginning is his conclusion. Um, now, he's going to say what we do with that conclusion, But ultimately, this is like a movie that starts, and it goes like five minutes in, and then it stops and goes 24 hours earlier. That's what this is. He starts by going meaningless, meaningless. That wasn't like he just woke up one day and went, oh, everything's meaningless. He's already researched, experimented, looked at life, and he comes to this conclusion. It's all meaningless. Now, I'm going to show you how I got there. And then I'm going to show you what that could mean for us in relationship to God. Right? So, how did he get there? Here's kind of an overview of some of his primary ideas. Look at verse 3. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Right, and just put in there everything. You may be working the ground. Maybe you're writing Whatever you're doing, whatever that labor is, he asks this question, what do you gain from it? Verse 4, generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and it turns to the north, and round and round it goes, ever returning on its course." Nothing changes. That's just one of his observations. It's just the same. You can work as hard as you want to, as long as you want to. It, it's still just the same things are happening. Nothing is ultimately changing. So what's the point? Keep going. Verse 7, all streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place where streams come from, there they will return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. Not only can you not really change anything, but we're also never ultimately satisfied. We're always wanting more. Think about all of the best things you've gotten in life, and then when you wanted the next one the thing that you were like, I've always wanted that truck. It is so amazing. And then a year later, I'm ready for another truck. You know, it's always greener on the other side. Like there's just this, this sense of the song. You know that song that you just, you fall in love with and you listen to it over and over and over again, but at some point it doesn't have the same impact. It doesn't affect you in the way that it did that first 10 times you heard it. We lose satisfaction. And one more thing. Verse nine, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is new. It was already here long ago. It was already here before our time. And no one remembers the former generations and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who followed them. He makes this final observation. We can't change things. We aren't satisfied with things. And we really can't bring anything new that does anything that people are gonna care about, they're all just gonna forget it anyway. Now, if all of that is true, can you understand the first part? Meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Right? And you may think, but but there are there are new things, there are changes. Yes and no. I'll give you an example. Some statistics. Every minute of the day around the world, users watch more than 4 million YouTube videos. Think about that. Over 450,000 tweets are sent, and over 46,000 photos are posted on Instagram. Facebook has 2 billion users. Just put that number in the context of, you know, the seven to eight billion people on earth. Two billion users for Facebook. Every second, five people sign up for Facebook. Each day, 300 million photos are uploaded, and every minute, more than 500,000 comments are made. I mean, it's an incredible thing. Social media. And you may say, well, social media is relatively new. I mean, all of this was not happening... Three decades ago. This is new stuff. But all of this was known in the late 1800s and early 1900s as scrapbooking. And it was really big during that period of time. So we have today language like posting, tweeting. They had scissorizing, gleanings. It was so big that newspapers were printing Photos and articles, a certain dimension to be cut out and scrapbooked. You all know who Mark Twain is, right? We know him from Huck Finn. And, you know, do you know that he was a gigantic scrapbooker? In fact, he invented the self-adhesive scrapbook. It was his invention because it was so hard to do all the gluing of all of these pages all the time. And so he invented a self-adhesive scrapbook. What is scrapbooking? It's taking my ideas and my memories and storing them and then ultimately sharing them. What is social media? It's taking the things that I want to share with other people and I'm putting them somewhere and I'm starting and I'm sending them out. Before that, way, 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 way before that, it was cave walls. What were we doing on cave walls? We're communicating. In certain ways, our technology changes. But our desires, the things we want from life, the things we're doing, we might get better at them, but they're not really changing. That's his argument. And if you want to buy that argument, and you should, then his conclusion is this, and we're going to sit with it for about three weeks. Everything is Hevel, utterly Hevel. Everything under the sun, ultimately, maybe not right now, I'm going to go home and, well, actually, I'm going to go to the Figgy and see my son's artwork. Then I'm going to go home. And when I get home, I'm going to sit down and probably I'm going to have a really nice glass of wine and I'm going to enjoy myself and I'm going to feel good and satisfied. And then the wine will be done and I'll go back into my life and it will, again, I'll wander off questions, I'll have to struggle with stuff because we have little glimpses of getting out of it, but that's not life. How many of you like vacation most of the time? (laughs) Raise your hand. Like vacations? Like going places? You have to come back, right? Yeah. Because we can't get away from it. How many of you have ever asked a question like this? What's the point? Why am I here? Why am I doing that job? Why did I go through all of that? I still don't see the point. How many of you have ever struggled with those kinds of questions? Why? Because ultimately, everything is Hevel. That's his argument. What do we do with that? (laughs) I'm going to give you two things this morning, and then we're going to keep opening it up and exploring more of the things that he takes us through, right? Here's the first thing I want you to think about. First, I'm going to read you a quote. This quote is from Mike Myatt of Forbes magazine. Studying grammar is no longer fashionable. Memorizing historical events and multiplication tables is outdated, Reading original sources is too difficult, so we read pre-digested textbooks. We spend more time in front of our televisions than frequenting our local libraries. We've believed that the easier way is the better way. It's difficult to put in the hard work of reading a great work of literature when we spend our time writing in 140 characters. We now believe that schools should be primarily fun and entertaining. Now, is everything he said true about every school and every kid? No. But is there a general truth moving throughout that in our culture today? Absolutely. And I see two teachers shaking their heads. I mean, this is part of our culture. Here's the thing I want to challenge you with. And I am challenging you as a Christian as a believer in Jesus Christ as one who believes in God almighty we should be the deepest smartest people on this earth because we serve a god who is truth and for kohelet to come to the conclusion he came to he was not watching a 30 minute sitcom got done and went huh that's eh, all meaningless He experimented, he thought, he worked at things, he explored all kinds of things, he got down into it. And you will see, he has examples from science, from space, from animals, from nature. I mean, this guy is a deep thinker. We should be deep thinkers. And I will tell you, many Christians are not. Many Christians can be taken advantage of very easily. They accept too much too quickly. They're not really into doing the hard work. I have heard at times people say things along the lines of, as long as I know my Bible, it's okay. You need to know a lot more than that. Now, you should know your Bible. It's really significant for your spiritual life. But we are called to a much broader understanding of God's world than just that think about the ways jesus taught he was so keyed into so many things he would use nature he would use soil he would use all kinds of things the sea for his illustrations on explaining truth jesus was a smart person we should be smart people and by the way i don't mean that everybody in this room should have the same iq Hey, frankly, some of you are smarter than others. Some of you are smarter than me. I'm not talking IQ. I'm talking what are we willing to put in to learning and to thinking, to being wise, to exploring God's world and not just accepting things. He didn't. We shouldn't. Number one, we should be deep thinkers. And this is a great time during Lent. Go learn something. Go study something. Go, go, I I read this great article this past weekend about the brain and as we're aging, how we keep the brain going. Um, And I want to say, some of you, you are a bit older than I am, And I think your brains may work better than mine right now. (laughs) I don't know what you've been doing. But this article talked about one of the key key things to keeping your brain going is learning new things. That it keeps causing your brain to form. It's one thing to do the same thing over and over again. It's something different to keep learning. We need to keep learning to the glory of God and for the good of the church. That's one Here's the second. Aaron, can you come up? Second thing is this. Our world actually is dark. There is so much sin in our world and in our own lives. All of us struggle with our motivations. We struggle with being as good as we want to be. We've all struggled with meaning at times. We need to. Let's not pretend things are better than they are. We have to actually confront the stuff that is hard. But here's the thing, confronting it and even bringing God into it doesn't necessarily make it go away. Our faith, it's going to be challenged. There's going to be times it's going to want to fail. We're not going to have answers. We're not getting answered prayers. One thing remains no matter what, the love of God. What I want you to hold on to is the fact that Christ is holding on to us. No matter what, no matter what you're going through, what you struggle with, what you wish were different. And we all have things in our past we wish were different. Christ is holding us fast. I want that to be our trust. I want that to be the thing that we walk out of here with. Not, oh, I'll just pretend this isn't bad. No, it is but Christ is holding us fast. Let this sit in your soul because we need this as we go through life because it's heaven. Father, thank you so much that your love was shown in your Son who holds us, who walks with us, who in his own words will be with us now until the end of the ages. At a heart level, let us hold that truth. And it's in his name that we pray.